everyone. Welcome back to the Deliver Better podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany Jokja. And today we have another exciting, wonderful guest speaker with us. Uh, today it's Ashton Rodenheiser. Ashton is a graphic recorder and visual strategist at Mind's Eye Creative Consulting. And um, we're very excited to have her here. Hey, Ashton. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. It's, a, it's another day here. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So we met at uh, the Observe 2020 virtual conference earlier this year, and I thought it was so cool that you've just been sort of a part of the DevOps community and kind of helping to do graphic illustrations and graphic facilitation of, uh, you know, people's talks and, and speaker tracks. And I, I just thought that that was really awesome. And so I invited you to be on this podcast today because I just wanted to get into the mind of someone who, you know, uh, who has sort of a different role within <clears throat> conference tech talks and um, the DevOps community in general. So do you want to share how you first got into sort of the business of creative consulting and sort of illustrating conference tech talks? Absolutely. So I'll go back to uh, my early 20s, let's say, and I was working at a nonprofit organization and I learned a lot about community development and facilitation work. And I absolutely fell in love with uh, facilitation and group process and how to really help people connect with their own, help people connect to their own ideas and reflect back that information to them. And uh, I just love those, you know, seeing those light bulb moments go off in their minds. And it's always their own information that they're surprised about. And uh, I felt, yeah, so I fell in love with facilitation. And then a few years later, I learned about graphic facilitation and wasn't really sure what that was exactly, but took a one day uh, basic beginner kind of graphic fundamentals course. And basically the rest was history. I completely fell in love with the medium. I love the idea of facilitation and how that can be paired with images and graphics to help people learn and help people connect to their ideas. And yeah, that's the short and long of it. <laughs> Yeah, and I know that that matters so much for at least the speaker community where, you know, you get to see that come to life. And for me, that was really exciting because um, at Observe 2020, it wasn't my first time speaking, but it was my first virtual event. And it was the first time that someone had done any graphic facilitation on my work. And so mm -hmm. I remember, you know, reading the announcement that you would be there. And I was, I remember looking at some of the work that you had been doing and I was just like, wow, this is so exciting. I'm so ready to speak here now. And it, it really leveled, it, it sort of elevated a lot of that event for me it, it, and it also added like to the level of legitimacy you know because mm -hmm. I, I think there's always something to be said around visualizing someone's visualizing certain concepts especially things that <clears throat> are complex in nature right that maybe necessarily people are hearing about or are trying to navigate towards for the first time and <clears throat> and so having that it, it really does make a difference and so you mentioned a little bit more about graphic facilitation. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? What role does it play for different organizations and individuals? You know, what have you seen in terms of impact there? 
Yeah, so, so typically I like to kind of break it down in two terms because I use graphic recording and I also talk about graphic facilitation. So in graphic recording, uh, it's more of kind of what you had personally experienced. I'm not really engaged. I'm listening. I'm reflecting uh, with the pictures and, and images and words to reflect that back to, you know, the group or the room or the, the Twitter sphere or whatever. Uh, so it's, it's more of like I'm, I'm listening in and I'm trying to synthesize that information for the group. Uh, and then in graphic facilitation, that's more of like a facilitated process where I would help uh, a group or team move through you know, their own ideas that might be, you know, a strategic planning session or brainstorming or feedback sessions or, um, you know, those types of situations where uh, I may be more involved with the process, where I'm helping create the image based on the information from the people in the room uh, to kind of help be the, the visual guide and help create that roadmap, depending on what the outcome is of that session. Um, so, for me, they're two very different use cases, and that's why I like to, to call them two different things. They're using a very similar skill set uh, of helping listen and synthesize and think about that information and reflect it in pictures. But uh, yeah, the two different situations. Another really popular term, which I don't use very often, is sketchnoting. Uh, sketchnoting was a term coined by a man named Mike Rohde a few years back, and he wrote a book about it. And for me, sketchnoting uh, uses a very similar skill set as well, uh, but it's more of like a personal and small scale. Uh, some people will, you know, kind of do it for themselves, but you're listening for me anyways, my opinion is for sketchnoting, you're listening for yourself. You're not listening for the group. Uh, whereas in graphic facilitation and graphic recording, you're listening for their group. So you're trying to hear the information as a whole instead of taking, you know, the personal things. So, so my challenge always is like trying to be as like impartial to that information as I'm listening to it as a graphic recorder or graphic facilitator to hear it. Um, and I'm not, you know, one thing I love that I'm not embedded into really any um, community, even though I'm very embedded into the DevOps community. Um, I get to take that skill set and kind of go into any industry and hear it. Like I love being that outside perspective and help people see their ideas from um, sort of that higher view that I see it through. Cause then I can say, okay, well, this is what I'm hearing. What you're saying, is that what you mean? And uh, you know, because some, as someone as an outsider, if I'm hearing it in one way, but you don't actually mean it that way, then maybe your customer or somebody that you're trying to explain that information to may not understand it. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important, especially in crucial or critical conversations, or maybe even in exercises where, you know, you've taken the time to bring in important stakeholders into the room, right? You, you've, you've, you've blocked out that time and you now need to use that most effectively, right? Exactly. Exactly. And like one thing I always kind of joke is, you know, there always seems to be a few people in that room that sort of talk in circles and you can say, well, we've got it. You know, you can point to the giant graphic. We got your, we got your idea. Let's move on here. Right. And it, it can help, uh, you know, shorten that meeting time or keep people focused uh, because, you know, and it really, helps people feel valued and heard as well. Like I've certainly been in interesting graphic facilitation situations where, you know, the people, some people were very uncomfortable to be there or they didn't, uh, you know, feel like it was going to be worth their time. And, you know, I was able to sense that in the room and really 
kind of listen into like some of the little jokes and things that they were saying and reflect that in just simple little pictures. And it really allowed them to feel like, oh, well, like I'm being listened to in this session and this isn't a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, feeling valued and heard for me is so important. I was in a session a few years ago and uh, it was uh, it was a company trying to understand their company culture. So we took all their employees and groups and and tried to understand and we asked them how the company showed them that they cared. And, you know, I had a man come up to me later and said, you know, I've worked for this company for 40 years and no one has ever asked me, you know, how I felt or my opinion. Right. So it made me feel so honored to be able to elevate that voice, you know, that has never been heard. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's definitely rewarding. And I I can, I can tell that, you know, for, for people who haven't really experienced being listened to that makes a big difference um and you know to help facilitate that within group discussions that's really meaningful um Mm -hmm. you did mention that you know in a lot of these conversations it's the first time that you're you know often hearing a concept or um, you come into a lot of situations where okay this is sort of new to me do you can you explain what that process is like, especially in terms of like being able to understand what's being said and then converting it into a graphic or some type of illustration, right? You're, you're basically taking many concepts that are previously intangible and making them into something tangible. Can you share mm-hmm. what that process is like? Yeah, well, I, a lot of times I'll speak about the graphic recording more so than graphic facilitation, but, you know, like when I'm capturing different, you know, topics at conferences or events, I, I do a little bit of research of like, what's the current trends in that industry or what's going on? And I'll talk to the organizers, like, is there anything that I should, you know, really know about kind of going into it? So there might be some sort of like insight for me. And I always do some like, you know, what, what might come up that I might need to draw that I'm not used to drawing. (laughs) So I'll do do like a little visual vocabulary for myself, be like, okay, I should familiarize myself on how to draw this or that just in case it comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so honestly, I feel like for me, it's more about like translation than really having to fully understand what what someone's talking about. Mm. and synthesizing in those main ideas. And there's like tips and tricks that I have for myself that uh, help me understand what may be more important than something else or something that really needs to be highlighted. And, you know, for example, like if someone's telling a story, I might not need to draw out the whole story, but I'll synthesize it at the end with an image and like, you know, the, the moral of that story or like the learning from it. Uh, mm. So I might not necessarily need to fully come completely comprehend what happened in the story but if I'm listening to like what is the like I'm always asking myself like what is what is the point here like what are they trying to get at and hopefully sometimes there's not a point which can be challenging um but usually there's a sort of like the key messages that the person's really trying to get across so I'm constantly asking myself like what is the main point here what are they trying to get across to the group and uh yeah, I'm not sure if that completely answers your question, but um, yeah, like if someone repeats something a few times, I'm like, okay, that's probably important to capture. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if they lead it up like, okay, if there's one thing I'm going to leave you here today with, it's this. And I'm like, okay, get ready. <laughs> you know, so there's, uh, I, 
uh, I have a friend who was a reporter and she, she told me things that she did when she's like asking, you know, doing like a phone or whatever interviews. And so there's a few things like that, that, you know, you know, is there anything abs that you want to say at the, at the end, you know, when she's interviewing someone, she says like, is there anything that you want to say? And usually this person says, well, no, but really what I want them to say is blah, blah, blah. Or what I really want people to understand is blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, okay, perfect. That's the soundbite that I'm going to use. So, you know, I'm always listening for the help, how people help summarize themselves. Cause sometimes someone will go on um, and talk about something for a long time. And I'm sort of sitting, sitting there and kind of waiting to hear, you know, are they going to summarize themselves? So I don't have to summarize them for, for them. Yeah. Um, you know, and if I'm not really sure kind of where the direction of the talk and stuff is going, you know, I might make, you know, when I'm doing it in person live on like a gigantic piece of paper, people may notice that I'll cover it with some sticky notes. Uh, and that's just so that if I'm unsure or someone's talking really quickly and I don't want to miss a point, I'll do like a quick scribble of a few few uh, words on the sticky note to come back to later and say, okay, how did this idea fit into the whole? Um, sometimes I incorporate them, sometimes I don't. Um, but yeah, so there's like a few, few little things there that I do to try to help uh, myself try to understand what's that, what's that message and how can I help people yeah. understand a long term. And, and for me at the end of the day, it's like really helping elevate the speaker. It's really about them. And, you know, speakers put so much work and time and energy and love into what they're, you know, presenting on. And if I can help people understand that message deeper or in a, in a better way or a different way, then it's worth it from, you know, the speaker's perspective. And one thing that I just really hope is that it really helps people actually incorporate the, those new ideas because at so many of these conferences or so many talks and how do you remember it all and how do you actually implement some of those amazing ideas that you heard and i always challenge people to go back and look at those pictures you know days weeks months even years later and how you'll be able to remember you know, even things beyond what was captured, you know, just the event in itself or, you know, where you were and, you know, what you were thinking about. It's the way that our brain makes those connections and having that visual, those visual cues can really help you uh, remember it long term, but then also have an increased opportunity to actually implement that information, which, you know, from a speaker, you would hope that someone actually takes your idea and maybe does something with it or, or incorporates a new idea into their work or life or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That's awesome. I mean, there, there's always something to be said around visuals and we've had a couple of visual designers and um, artists on this podcast and it's always really interesting to hear their process. And so thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's, it's, it's always so amazing to me. <laughs> and yeah, I always find it hard to explain because I'm like, I don't know, I just do it. <laughs> you know, I've been I've been doing it for you know quite a while now, and I've done quite a lot. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's like feels like second nature. Yeah, yeah. So I, think I have I, to break it down. I find it challenging, and I'm like, I don't know, I just do the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, as a speaker too, I think it's sort of changed how I structure my talks. And one of the one of the really like key advice that I, I had gotten when I was like trying to learn and, and 
kind of getting enablement around speaking is you do want to repeat yourself a couple times when you're mm-hmm. when you're presenting because people will only remember a portion of it right exactly, you'll, you'll have a hundred percent of the content and you'll probably most likely only speak 80 percent of it and then the audience mm-hmm. will only remember 20 percent of that 80 yeah. percent that you share yeah if you're lucky yeah <laughs> yeah if you're lucky and so yeah it's it's always it's always so amazing to be able to go back and and say well you know and and of course like people will record it and and things record sessions but it's always interesting to be able to kind of map that to uh, a graphic and and sort of you know all those points illustrated really makes a difference like that's pretty different from just having one single image right Mm -hmm. yeah and like my you know people are busy right we have to like understand and know like everyone's busy and you know people might not go back and watch the recording or they might not if they go back and like look at the slides, it might be out of context depending on, you know, how much information is on those slides. Because for mm-hmm. me, I try not to lean too heavily on the slides. I'm really listening to what the person's saying and trying to capture what they're actually saying instead of like trying to just copy slides. And, uh, you know, so my goal is like, if someone can look at this picture and whether that they were, they were there or not, I'd hope that I'm trying to, you know, in 20 seconds or less, they can quickly look at this picture and understand at least what the core idea, the core element uh, or learning was from, from that talk, you know, just from like a, a time attention or time span attention or whatever uh, yeah. perspective, because we all live like really busy lives and, you know, someone might not have the time or luxury to go back and, and rewatch something or, or uh, yeah. And it's been really encouraging to, to hear from some, from some people that you know had seen some of the images from an event um, and say, oh, that looked really cool and went back and it, like the image uh, piqued their interest for them to go and watch the talk. Mm-hmm. Or actually I had someone at an event a few months ago said, oh, I missed the event last year. And then I saw all the pictures on Twitter and I thought, oh, I have to go next year. So it, it created a little bit of that like FOMO. <laughs> Mm-hmm. which was, you know, great from turns like an ROI perspective from the conference, you know, if they, you know, can keep their, um, their attendees engaged or actually get convert the, the fence sitters into super fans. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's always fun to, you know, even if you're not the person speaking at that event, being able to see that process because it's, it's very different. Um, I think like, you know, we don't get the opportunity to kind of, I, I mean, I, I, I noticed that people do do sketches and, and things like that, but we don't necessarily get to do that within our profession, right? Mm-hmm. Or in or within like the developer community as well. It's it's not something that you see as often. And so it's different and interesting. And I think that's part of it that's really rewarding when we do get to be a part of like what you bring to the table in, in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah, and I have to like put a huge like shout out to the DevOps Days Toronto crew because back in 2017, you know, I was really trying to sort of put myself out there more and get more business like, you know, because the year before that I was like, okay, I'm going to like really hunker down and try to figure out how to build a business. Mm -hmm. And uh, the 2017 DevOps Days Toronto crew kind of took a giant uh, chance on me because they none of them had ever seen it before, but they're like, this sounds cool. So let's bring her in and see what she can do. Uh, and every and a lot of my DevOps um, relationships have 
uh, you know, since then have been because of that, uh, that one st that starting point from that one event. It really, a lot of it kind of hinges on that, that first um, relationship that I started to build with them there. So I'm so, I'm always like so grateful for, for that crew that were just like, we don't really know what she's going to do, but it sounds cool. So let's bring her in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gotta love that mentality sometimes where people aren't afraid to take a risk or do something different. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think it, it would be interesting to kind of talk about this. Like what are some like rewarding aspects to your to your role um, and and kind of participation that you've you didn't necessarily expect. Yeah, I think for me, uh, yeah, some of those stories I shared definitely. Uh, you know, helping people feel, you know, like in graphic facilitation situations where I'm really helping feel help helping people feel valued and heard. It's just so it just makes me feel um, just so honored to be able to do that for people and especially in such a different different way a different medium that people have never experienced before and you know in graphic recording situations I love how uh, when people come up to me at events or even virtually now like through slack or discord or something they'll send me notes and say you know this is really resonating with me you know I think one of the number one things that people say to me, they're like, oh, I love this. I'm a visual learner, right? So mm -hmm. they recognize that they, it's helping them learn in that way. And that makes me just feel like, you know, it's, it's worth everybody's time and energy for me to be there uh, if I'm helping people really take those concepts and, and understand them, uh, maybe understand them, period, or understand them in a deeper way. Uh, I think that overall, like I always say, it's, this job is actually extremely good for my ego because everyone just comes up to me. It's like, you're so amazing, <laughs> you know, which is very kind. But at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I want to also make, you know, it has to look nice and cohesive, of course. But when I'm encouraging people, if they wanted to get started, like in sketch noting, like it doesn't really matter what it looks like if it's helping you learn, um, you know, so obviously I'm trying to make it look nice, but it has to be functional, right? Like I said earlier about how someone has to be able to look at it later and help them remember that information. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really rewarding when I hear all the different use cases that people uh, use them in or, um, you know, inspire. I like to like inspire people to like create really unique uh, opportunities for themselves. Like, you know, if someone asked me 10 years ago, you know, what I would be doing, I would have never known in a million years that, that I would be doing what I'm doing, that I've created this, you know, lovely business for myself that I can support my family with and also be creative and, you know, have amazing clients that I work with. Like, I feel so blessed and honored to kind of be in this space. And, you know, I, I believe that you, if there's a problem to be solved, there's a business to be built around it. And you can build a business doing absolutely anything. Like if someone told me that, you know, I'd be doing a business like drawing pictures on paper, I'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, I would have known, never known that. So I think there's just so much uh, said for being uh, a creative in, in the world and also being able to do kind of what you love and also be helping people at the same time. It's pretty awesome. But um, I, I don't think I actually answered your question, but <laughs> no, no, uh, that's, that's totally fine. <laughs> I, I enjoy kind of hearing you uh, from your perspective, you know, sort of uh, 
what's what's been the best parts of it and that yeah you know that totally speaks to me because you know I even for myself I feel that way right like oh if you're to ask (laughs) 10 year old (laughs) Tiffany you know where where (laughs) would be like what she would be doing as a career like 10 years from now I would have never imagined um so I I definitely resonate with that and you know there's there's always something to be said around you know the value of creativity and and the significance of it yeah I've been asked to go in a few times and talk to groups of students about what I do and and I love you know volunteering my time to do that because I you know if I would if I just think like if I would have had the opportunity to kind of learn about different careers uh, you know, what, what is out there in the world other than like, you know, your whole standard doctor, lawyer, teacher kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, might have opened my eyes to different opportunities. Like, and I, I remember feeling like in high school, like I really had no idea what I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And, you know, I just wanted to be a mom. So I went and did some schooling with early childhood education because I was like, well, you know, at least it will be a transferable skill. <laughs> you know, I didn't know how long I would work in that field for, but you know, I didn't, and I didn't know if I was super passionate about working in that field in particular, but uh, it, it definitely, I'm also grateful for that. Cause that's how I started working at that nonprofit was with that, with that background. Um, I have three small kids now, so there you go. I guess I lived up to my dream of being a mother, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, you know, I think it's, it's great. And I also, you know, like I said, you know, I didn't go to art school. So, you know, I think there's so much to be said for, you know, how much formal education does someone require in order to really help someone. And I remember when I was younger, like I wanted to help someone, but I felt like I couldn't because, you know, I didn't have a desire to go be like a nurse or a doctor or somebody like that, like in a helping kind of profession. Mm. And, uh, you know, I felt so... Um, you know, when I was getting into community development and facilitation and then graphic facilitation, I was like, oh, I am actually helping people. Like, that's what I really wanted to do was help people. And uh, so I get to, you know, I can, I guess I kind of get to live up to that, you know, childhood dream of just wanting to help people (laughs) and uh, also be creative at the same time. Because, you know, another question people always ask me is like, oh, you must have did this in your notes as a child. I'm like, no, I didn't know like you were allowed to do that, right? Like you would get in in trouble for doodling, right? And uh, if anyone's listening, like doodling is amazing and you should do it. (laughs) Just even even if it's not even attached to that information, just just doodle because it will help you. I think the statistic is... you can remember uh, up to 29% information just from like the sheer fact of doodling something that actually helps you stay, stay focused. So I'm like pro pro doodling, but you know, I didn't, um, I didn't take notes like that as a child. And like, I've I've always been really creative and um, you know, done many different like art mediums, but I didn't actually draw a whole lot until I started getting into this work, which is kind of funny in a way. Yeah. I I didn't know that statistic. I would have, yeah. My life would have been different if I did. <laughs> Doodle away, people. I, I ran a workshop for a while uh, called Doodling with Purpose, right? It's okay, well, doodle, doodling is awesome. Go and do do the doodle. Um, but if you want to make it a little bit more purposeful to that information, sort of like the sketchnoting graphic recording world, there's like some skills that you can learn around that. But uh, yeah, doodling in itself is an amazing and powerful tool to help people uh, actually stay stay focused. 
Wow. Yeah, that's so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Ashton. We're wrapping up on this Deliver Better podcast. Before we go, do you have any final advice for anyone who's interested in graphic facilitation or graphic recording? Yeah, I would just say like, you know, there's lots of resources out there and people are more than welcome to reach out to me if you'd like some, you know, help in getting started, but use, use your whiteboards, like in your offices, use platforms that help you, uh, you know, do virtual sticky notes or the whiteboarding uh, option on Zoom, just like start helping yourself build that visual vocabulary of, you know, what are some simple images that you could draw to like represent an idea, you know, and it can just be like a box with an arrow pointing at it to say like, this is the product or whatever. Um, You know, just getting started and trying to build your confidence right away. And I find for me, most of the time people I'm the, I'm their first experience with this type of work, which can be, you know, a bit intimidating, but I just say like, just start putting pen to paper. Like, let's go back to the analog. aspect of <laughs> of working together and try to be the brave one in the room and stand there at the whiteboard and just start drawing and you know just the the fact that you're doing it um, will inspire others to to do it as well so um, I'm, I'm pro pen to paper obviously but you know with more and more things being virtual there's like lots of virtual tools out there as well to help you collaborate, you know, and use some simple, simple drawing elements, lines and boxes and arrows and things like that, just to help you stay focused and help you stay engaged in the meeting, whether or not you're the one kind of facilitating it or you're in there alongside of it. Just, yeah, just try to just get started and, and yeah, just try not to hesitate and you just have to try. (laughs) You just have to get started. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that advice and I think it can also apply to anyone in the field especially if, you know, maybe even for developers if you're if you're starting drawing architecture diagrams or leading meetings, right? That I think that exactly. there's there's a lot of um components to that that's very applicable to to anyone working um in in the field. And so, mm-hmm. thank you so much Ashton for coming on board and and sharing all of this insight. Um, We hope that everybody got to enjoy this episode. Um, Yeah, thank you, Ashton. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. Have a good day. Bye.